What's going on, everybody? It's been a long motherfucking time. It's been a long time. And it feels good to be home, baby. I ain't gonna lie. Hope you found somewhere uh, to stay while the uh, Fred Hampton and the streets is out of commission momentarily. But true love never dies. <laughs> a revolution. You kill a revolution or a revolutionary, but you can't kill a revolution, right? Oh, we're about to bring this revolution back. One day at a time, baby. Well, welcome, welcome again to another episode of the Fred Hampton Interviews. I am so thrilled to be back with you all. Thank you for joining me this evening. stuff happening with work and then some very kick-ass wonderful stuff Fahim, Amanda, Noel, I see you all down there Jack and BK, thank you all for coming um, I am excited to get into tonight's show uh, I was hoping that I would be able to get some rail workers actually here, that's not happening but we're going to talk about just some of the insanity that's going on with this the labor negotiations between the railroad workers and the owners of the railroads. Uh, it's pretty insane at this point. Uh, we'll get into that. I guess, I don't know, update y'all a little bit about what I've been doing. Just work. Just work. Uh, turns out that uh, going to trial is a lot of work. <laughs> so... Uh, for like the last month and a half, I was just I was just caught up in it. I could not, I did not have very many moments to myself. And if you meet people who know me in real life, uh, there was not much else going on but just uh, work. I mean, I was meeting with clients on the weekends for hours over Zoom. I'm doing like I'm doing like a whole call, like entire calls with them, just to prepare for trial and everything. It was nuts. But uh, they turned out really well, and one of the trials was really worth doing. Um, but enough about me. Enough about me. Let's, let's, let's just get into it. So by now, you've probably heard that there's a potential railroad strike or a strike for the railroad workers that might occur uh, in America. And by now, you've probably heard that the strike could cost the American economy, $2 billion per day. Uh, that is probably what you've heard if you've been following, for the most part, mainstream media sources. Uh, now, since I know everyone in here is already in the know, I won't go over the details too uh, in too much depth, but I want to give a primer on what's actually going on with these railroad workers for anyone who's listening later and anyone who's tuning in later. So if you listen to the episodes here on the Fred Hampton and Suites about uh, union thugs in harmony, then you'll remember that once you form a union, you have to negotiate your first union contract, which means you form a team of uh, union leaders, people that you think would represent 
you well in the negotiations. That union lead that union leadership then goes to sit down with management and with the the owners of the corporation to negotiate a, a labor contract. You agree to terms, and once you negotiate that first labor contract, you have subsequent later labor contracts which are sort of automatic. They don't they're not automatically negotiated, but upon the expiration of your first labor contract, you will come back to the negotiating table at a later date so that you can negotiate your second labor contract and then your third and your fourth and your fifth. And it's usually over a period of like a couple of years, right? A labor contract usually lasts a couple of years. Well, these railroad labor contracts last four or five years. I think it's five years. Um, And the negotiation, times for negotiation came up again in 20, maybe it was 2018 or 19. Hmm. Excuse me. I think it was 2019. But three years ago, uh, the labor contract that's currently in place for railroad workers and the owners expired. So it was time for them to come back to the table for another labor contract. Three years later, three years later, they have still not agreed to a labor contract. Why? Why? Well, let's look at some of the things that happened in the past three years or in the past mostly four years. Uh, pretty, some of them pretty important to understand the context of why they have not been able to reach a labor deal yet. So in the past four or five years, uh, capitalists have kind of, the capitalism has always been a part of uh, railways to some extent, because you can imagine that we're shipping everything all over the U.S. via rail. I mean, that is the the way, if you have access to rail, that is the way to get mass amounts of cargo from point A to point B on land. Uh, and, and that is, there's not really a, a good alternative to that, right? Um, but here's the kicker. The past four or five years, some of the practices from some of the railway owners have gotten much worse. The main one the main way they've gotten worse is with scheduling. They've adopted something, uh, I've heard it called persistent scheduling, but basically what it means is that uh, a lot of the railway workers are on call 24-7. They're constantly on call. So even if they have time off, they're not technically off. They don't know exactly when they're going to be working, but when they do work, they're typically working 12-hour shifts. Okay, a 12-hour shift and some, peop- some of these railway workers are working seven days a week, 12 hours a day, which is insane. That's, it's fucking insane. I don't know if, if any of you have ever worked that much. I assume so. But um, imagine working from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day, seven days a week. It's, 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 unsus- it's not sustainable. It's complete, completely not uh, sustainable. And precision. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. Precision uh, scheduling. Not... Uh, I forget what I said. Uh, persistent, I think is what I said. Um, and this has been really hard on the workers, this kind of scheduling, as you can imagine. It's been good for the railway owners. Uh, the railway industry is making record profits in recent years. Uh, in the first three quarters of this year alone, of 2022, the rail industry has already made a record-breaking billion in profit. That's a lot of moolah. Okay. And that, 
you wonder how they would spend that money, right? Because they're obviously not spending it now on these workers. They're not spending this money on improving rail infrastructure, on adopting high-speed rail. To give you an idea of how they're spending that money, in this year, the same year where they've made $21 billion in profits, they've spent $25 billion buying back their own stocks. Now, stock buybacks. Uh, I don't know how in-depth we need to go with this, but basically when you buy back your stock as a company, um, it's basically a way to fight against the dilution of your shares, like the dilution of your, or it, 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 your shares can become diluted if you have too many out there, right? Uh, if you own more of your shares, then when it comes down to actually paying out your dividends, so paying out the profits and dividends are just like percentage of profits of a company that go to the shareholders and shareholders are the people who get all the money from the company. They're the ones who like really the, the they own the majority of the company. So by doing stock buybacks, what you do is you increase the proportion of the payout that you can give to shareholders. So why do companies do this? A lot of reasons, but mostly because our entire system of uh, fiduciary duties, our entire system of what makes someone a good CEO and what makes you, uh, how you meet your legal obligation as a CEO in this country is to maximize shareholder value, which is to make those people more money. Make the people making the most money from the company, make them even more money, right? That's why they're doing it. Um, but you could see, if you have shitty rails and you're straining your workers too much, you could see how you can actually run a shittier business, a business that is worse at shipping things to different parts of the country, a business that cannot function well as an actual uh, to do what it's actually supposed to do, yet you could still be making a lot of money by doing that and how the incentives there are perverted uh, because it's it's always strange whenever you're saying, you know, the, the, the idea of capitalism is uh, constant competition and, you know, leads to innovation. People will have to innovate, come up with better ways, and they'll come up with better products and better services And because they're competing against each other. That's just not true. And stock buybacks are one of the ways that we see how that's not true. Um, so in the midst of these record profits, you have workers working – 12 hour shifts, seven days a week. And they're being, a lot of them are being assigned one crew member per train, which is insane. Okay. We're talking trains that can be, uh, you know, some of these freight trains are three or four miles long in the carts of what they're carrying. And you have one person working on that entire train for 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, from a safety standpoint, that's a disaster waiting to happen. And later, maybe we can talk about some of the derailments that have been happening more frequently in these past four years because of these conditions. So rail workers, when it comes time to negotiate, they're citing the fact that, hey, you guys are making record profits. Uh, we have safety concerns with the amount of work that we're doing. We're also unable to actually live our lives in any sort of meaningful way because we can't take off for sick time. 
they had no paid sick leave, zero paid sick leave. Uh, and if you listen to some of the stories that some of these road workers have been talking about, they're, they're horrifying. They will miss funerals. They'll miss birthdays. They'll miss all the events of life that no one should have to choose their job over. Uh, and there's absolutely, the thing is when you don't have paid sick leave too, if you take days off for being sick, that's a fireable offense. Um, Bernie Sanders was, was speaking to the Senate about it and said, uh, if you get sick or your child gets sick or your spouse gets sick, not only will you not get paid, but you could be reprimanded or fired. So the row workers start saying, well, there need to be a couple of changes in this next contract negotiation. One, we need paid time off. And that, that from the very beginning of these negotiations has been their number one issue is we need paid time off. We need to have the ability to actually go and um, take a sick day if that's necessary. And we can look at some of the reasons why that's their number one demand. Uh, past four years, what do we know that happened that completely decimated the economy and that made a lot of people understand the importance of health? I don't know, maybe we had a, a global pandemic and they're working one man crews during a global pandemic with no, with horrible hours and no sick leave. So if they get COVID during that time, or if they got COVID, it was too bad. Keep working. So their number one demand makes a lot of sense, right? They want sick leave, but then they wanted pay raises as well. And they also wanted uh, uh, a couple of other things, things regarding their health insurance, normal things that you have in a, in a union sort of negotiation. Uh, for the past three years, there have been some like sit down negotiation sessions with the union, uh, with uh, the ownership of the rail railways, but there hasn't really been a lot of people and a lot of union people have been saying that the owners have not really made a good faith attempt to sit down at the negotiating table. Why not? Why would the owners not make a good faith attempt? Well, one, they could just be assholes. That's part of it, I'm sure. But two, uh, railway workers are in a very unique position. Most uh, unions and, and, and the companies that they work for have a legal obligation to come to the table and work out a deal. And if they can't work out a deal, then that's the moment where the workers go on strike. Thanks to, uh, what is it, the Rail Railway Labor Relations Act? There are certain conditions for railway workers specifically to where the federal government can step in, force the railway workers to accept a deal, and make it illegal for them to strike. So the federal government actually has legal authority to take away the biggest piece of leverage that any worker really has, which is the power to strike, the power to withhold work, which is insane. Now, I am not a labor historian. As I understand it, um, at the time that this act was passed, the act that gave the federal government the power to step in and actually stop a strike, 
it was something that was negotiated for and I believe asked for by the labor leaders or the union leaders at the time. I don't know why. It's very difficult for me to understand why. And uh, honestly, I, I, maybe that will be another episode. But the point is the federal government has this power. And these corporations, these owners of these railways know this. So they know that they don't have to give in to their laborers' demands because if worse comes to worse, they can just lobby their buddies in Congress. They can just lobby the president. And the other thing they understand, too, is that, yeah, when workers strike, especially railway workers, it's very expensive. You know, people are here saying it's $2 billion lost a day. But it's not just the $2 billion. It's if you can't ship your stuff from point A to point B, especially during the holiday season, when you already have supply line issues, that's, it's a lot of power. That's a lot of power for the workers to have. But uh, they don't get a deal, right? They don't get a deal. Uh, and there are plenty of people doing really good reporting about the railway workers' uh, attempts to make a good faith effort for this deal. Maximilian Alvarez is killing it right now. He's with The Real News. Uh, I think he's a partner with Breaking Points. Uh, he's got a podcast called Working People Podcast. Fantastic. Uh, if you want to hear directly from the workers the kinds of conditions that they're in and the kinds of attempts that they've made to come to a deal, he's a great resource. Jonah Furman is another one who's really done a lot of great work on this. Um, I will. I, I, I'm trying to look at the camera, buddy. It's just I. I also have to read. I have to read my notes, but uh, I'll get there. Um, Anyway, a lot of people are doing really good reporting on this, but let's get to how we got to where we're at today. So around September 15th-ish, Joe Biden reaches a tentative deal with railway owners and union leaders to avert a strike. So up until about September 15th of 2022, you have multiple railway unions who are threatening to strike if they don't reach a deal. Biden comes in with the Presidential Emergency Board, I think, uh, the PEB. I believe that's what it stands for. But Biden comes in, helps them negotiate a deal. Here's what the deal's terms are. Some of them are not bad, but you'll notice something is missing when we talk about it, all right? So according to this deal, rail workers would receive 24%, a 24% increase in their pay over a nearly five-year period starting from 2022 to the end of 2024. So 24% pay raise, not bad. Um, there's some $1,000 bonus incentives in there that I, I don't know all the details about, but uh, they also get the uh, ability to take unpaid time off to attend medical appointments without penalty. Oh, isn't that nice? I don't get penalized for going to the doctor. Mm. I don't get penalized for getting COVID anymore. But I'm still not paid for it. But they do get, don't worry, they did get President Biden. President Biden did give them one really great thing in this deal, which is fantastic. Paid time off. And guess how much paid time off he got him? One day. <laughs> Literally, like, 
the fucking audacity of this shit. Can you believe that? Imagine someone telling you like they just worked out a big ass deal for you. Your biggest demand this whole time has been, please let me see my family. Please let me go to the doctor when I'm sick and have paid sick leave. Please let me get all the benefits that you, the politicians, and you, the CEOs and the owners, have in droves. That's what we want. We want to be treated like human motherfucking beings. But no, you get one day off out of 365 years. Merry Christmas. But you can't take Christmas off because we need you. Because we need you to... We have a lot of trains to run that day. You understand. Um, union leadership takes this deal back, right? They take it back to the workers. They tell them the terms. The workers aren't having it. Uh, I think the first... What was the first... Uh, I know around October 11th, I think it was a Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way Employees Division, uh, which is a, a, a division of the Teamsters. But I believe they were first to strike this deal down in uh, around mid-October. So they strike it down. Then a second union at the end of October strikes the deal down, threatening to strike. And then by November 21st, the big, the big one happens, like the nation's largest rail union at the time, or at this time, which represents about 28,000 uh, conductors, uh, according to ABC News. But they vote this down too. So rail workers are rejecting this deal. And Biden, Mr. Scranton Joe, Mr. The, the most... The self-styled, uh, most labor-friendly, most pro-labor president in history. That's what the fuck he said it was going to be. I'm just, I'm, I'm keeping it real. That's what he said. Uh, on November 28th, seven days after the nation's largest rail union votes down the tentative contract that he brokered, seven days later, Biden asks Congress to intervene and force the workers' union to accept the White House brokered deal. So he's doing exactly, remember, this is what the workers have been saying forever as to why the rail, uh, rail, uh, railroad uh, owners have not been negotiating in good faith because they knew Biden would just step in and say, you know what, fuck them. Like, make them take the deal. And lo and behold, it's exactly what's happened. Exactly what's happened. So Biden intervenes and says, railroad, railroad workers, uh, you're going to take this deal. And Congress votes uh, to accept this. But here's, here's kind of one of the kickers. Um, what was it, December 4th or before that? Here's where things get interesting, okay? I mean, they're already interesting, but Congress votes... They vote, yay, we're going to force the workers to take the deal. And the audacity of some of these Congress people, I swear to God, and Biden, they celebrate it on Twitter and elsewhere as a victory for workers. Can you, can you imagine, like, I, sometimes people do some shit that's so brazen to me that it's hard to, it's hard to even know where their head's at. Like, do they think we're stupid? Like, do they think, uh, what are they thinking? 
you know, if you if you take me to to, you know, you force me to go somewhere and I say, look, I'm really not hungry. The thing I really don't want to do right now is eat. And you start shoving hot dogs down my mouth and talking about how like just a whole bunch of hot dogs, just not even like all beef kosher, just like turkey dogs, just like fucking shoving them down my mouth. And then you go, see, I, I'm helping you. <laughs> like I've I've done exactly what you wanted. What the fuck are you talking about? Joe, Joe, wake up, buddy. Joe and everyone else. But Pete Buttigieg is out there on, on uh, you know, nighttime television telling people this is a real great thing for the workers. Three motherfucking unions. My dude, my guy, Joe Byron. Byron, three of these unions just told you this is not what they want. They just told you they were, they're rejecting this. And you force it on them and then you tell them to like it. And you tell all of America that it's the best thing. It's like that you're that you're helping us. But that's what happened. And Congress, the, the Senate and the House voted to approve this too. And this is where it might get cynical a little bit. Because at the same time, uh, Jamal Bowman proposes a another bill, writes another bill, which grants, uh, which would have granted railway workers an additional seven days of paid leave. But it's, it's, and I believe it passed in the House, but it didn't pass the Senate. Because in the Senate, it only got 52 votes. And of course, you need 60 votes so you can get through the filibuster, right? Remember the filibuster, that thing that George Bush got rid of, that W got rid of, that Biden could get rid of? He could just say, fuck it, get rid of the filibuster, and then allow this vote to go through. He could do that. He didn't. So uh, this seven days of additional paid leave does not pass. And the fact that it was a separate bill makes me think that the the intention was that pe- the Jamal Bowman, maybe Jamal Bowman, but the people who were voting for this bill knew that it was doomed from the start. It was doomed to fail. Uh, it's reminiscent of, if you remember earlier in the Biden presidency, Um, The whole Joe Manchin saga with the Build Back Better plan, if you remember the when Democrats and Nancy Pelosi separated the bipartisan infrastructure deal from the reconciliation bill. Remember when they they separated that when they didn't have to, but they did. And then the reconciliation bill failed. Um, It's similar to that. This might be a cynical attempt for people to. some of these politicians who have just put through a, a very anti-labor bill, give them the opportunity to save face by basically virtue signaling that, but we believe in your paid sick leave. We believe in it. We're not going to pass it, but we believe in it. See, I voted for it. I did the right thing. Mm. Vote for me again, please. I'm like, what, what the fuck? It's, it's maybe. You know, that's what I think it was. I think it was a cynical attempt to basically make it look like you want support or you support something that you don't. Um, there are Ryan Grimm and some other people have said, well, maybe the reason Jamal Bowman did this is to create a bill that was specifically about the paid sick leave so that it could advertise the fact to people that all they're asking for, all these real workers are really asking for is just some more free time, like more paid sick leave, normal shit. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I buy that. Maybe. But I, 
it seems more like politics to me. Politics as usual. But uh, that's like a summary of how we got to where we're at with this railway uh, deal. So what can the workers do now? Well, they have a couple of options. Uh, it's illegal for them to strike. It would be illegal for them to strike. They can get in actual trouble if they strike. But one of their options is to strike anyway. To do something called a wildcat strike. And I'm sorry, but if, it, if you call something a wildcat strike, if you call something a name that's that awesome, you kind of have to do it. Honestly, that's kind of the rule. If something's like badass sounding, you just got to do it. A wildcat strike is basically a strike that's unapproved by their union leaders. And it's an illegal strike. But it's still a strike. And that's their biggest leverage. Remember, these are laborers. Your biggest leverage as a laborer is uh, solidarity. That's it. You got to have an us against them mentality. Because the thing is, there's always going to be a lot more of us. There's always going to be a lot more of you. So your power comes from solidarity and action. So if they did this, it would be good. Now would be the time to do it. Christmas season is upon us. People want their toys and, I don't know, bullshit. Uh, you have to, the only way that you can really make a capitalist feel something is that they have to feel it. They have to feel the pain of the wallet. They have to lose money. Uh, that's an option. But if they take that option, uh, it's on us to support it wholeheartedly. That means going to the strikes. If there's one in your area, go to it. Just be there. Make it harder for if police are going to be there or anything, make it harder for them to go and arrest the railroad workers. Show solidarity. Show your numbers. Um, support it. So if they, t if they choose the wildcat strike, strike route, that's the most important thing I think any of us can do is go, support it. Uh, because let's be honest, there needs to be more, uh, oh, hey, mom. <laughs> um, uh, mom's in the chat, shout out. Uh, there needs to be more solidarity of, of, of workers generally. Uh, but here's what's more likely going to happen. Um, What's more likely going to happen, unfortunately, is that the workers will learn or, or give up on the profession in, 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 in its entirety and say, you know what, screw it. If I'm not going to be treated like a human being here, I'm just going to leave. Now, the, the, the crazy thing is that this still hurts the capitalists, right? This, this will still have the effect on all of our economy, on, on all of us, uh, it costs a lot to retrain some of these people. And you have to, if we're talking about skilled laborers in particular, uh, baby, it don't get much more skilled than some of these railroad workers, honestly. Uh, if you've ever gotten the chance to talk to a conductor or to talk to uh, any of the people who work, who are operating one of these machines that again, can be like four miles long and they're doing it as a crew of one, uh, you can't just learn that in a vacuum. Uh, that takes time. And what might happen is a lot of these railroad workers might just leave, which is going to hurt the capitalists anyways, but it's going to, that's not, that's not what we need. 
right? Because the goal should really be taking away the power that the capitalists have in, in operating these railroads in the first place uh, for a for-profit motive. The goal should be collective ownership of the railways, public ownership of the railways and, and for all railway employees to either own it in a co-op or as part of uh, a collective of all people of the public who own it, right? Like that's the goal. But because then you can actually make railways that make more sense. Uh, you can make railways to places that aren't necessarily economically viable, but super useful. So we can actually go to start running this business according to utility, as opposed to just generating profits, which we do nothing with, but buy back our own stocks to make more profits. Um, but what can you do if... I don't know if there's just anything else that you can do to support the workers right now. Well, there's a couple of websites you can go to. Uh, you can donate your time. They'll let you know what to do. You can hand out materials. You can uh, do whatever uh, they need you to do. Uh, they're always in need of money. Uh, some organizations like the railroadworkersunited.org or the Rail Railroad Workers United. Uh, and their website's www.railroadworkersunited.org. Uh, you can sign up there to become a solidarity member, uh, which is $25 a year. And it just shows, it gives them a little extra funding to work with every year uh, to, if they do strike, they can continue to strike together. Um, and yeah, Amanda, I think you're right. The one-man crew isn't allowed yet, but they're, uh, they're trying to go towards a one-man crew for these trains. And a lot of them right now are two man crews. Uh, so that's, look, what, what they're eventually trying to do, the people who run these trains is to automate humans out of them, just completely get rid of them in the same way that we're doing with trucking currently uh, in the same way they're going to try to do with every industry that they can, because one of the biggest drags on their profits is labor. And if you can get labor for free from some machine or AI, that's exactly what you're going to do. Even though it's going to destroy your consumer base. Because if no one has jobs, no one could buy your shit. But they don't think that far ahead. They only think, it's, it's, uh, they only think in terms of short-term quarterly profits. That's the problem. It's an incentive problem with the system as it's currently set up. So, uh, you know, I, it's it's... Uh, other ways you can show solidarity. Uh, I would go to that website, railroadworkersunited.org. That's a good place to start. But I think what should be happening too, and where the goal needs to be from here, is to do something like what Rebecca, is it Rebecca Chambers? Out of, uh, what is she from Washington? She was running for some office in Washington, but she's advocating for a um, national labor fund, a national... Uh, labor solidarity fund, like a strike fund where people put in their money and whenever strikes are happening, this fund can be used to support all strikes. I think that's important. But one thing that's even more important or just as important, if not more, is if you are part of a laboring force right now and you're not unionized, you should try to unionize. Most of the time you should try to unionize. I'm just going to be honest. 
That's where your power comes from. And if you are part of a union or you do unionize, there needs to be cross-industry solidarity. I think something that would be cool is if rail, when railroad workers decide to go uh, strike, all the Starbucks, all the unionized Starbucks shut down too to strike. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, and that's where we need to start heading because the, the, if we wait too long and it's funny, cause you know, I'm, I'm like, y'all know I work, I work as a lawyer. I'm not like a, you know, um, it's not, I'm not out there working on the railroad all the live long day. Right. Um, but the goal of the system is the same, right? The goal is to maximize profits for those who are the shareholders, to maximize the 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 amount of money that these people make on their own. Uh, not on their own. They do it with all of our labor, right? But but they want to take out everyone else and get extract all value that they can. Um. That is a process that spans across every industry. And it's going to continue on and on and on for everyone who works. If you're not an owner, baby, you're on the menu because the goal is to extract that value. And there's not a stopping point. And I think by the time they get there, it's going to be too late. And I mean, honestly, the mindset's just... like Imagine like... You know, I know people say Elon Musk is a genius and shit, but look at what he's doing right now. Do you like this guy? You think he understands what's best for all of humanity? He's trying to like fuck a bunch of people into existence so that they can run the world because he somehow thinks that his genes are like good. <laughs> you know, like this this is not this is not someone who's really looking at things rationally. Um, and there's a whole class of people like that, and. Their wealth is generated off of denying you your full value for your labor. Uh, as long as that incentive structure is the same, we're going to keep winding up at the same place over and over and over again. Over and over again. Round and round we go. Where the world's heading, nobody knows. But that's all I have to say about the, the, the railroad workers, about the strikes. Um, I'd love to take some calls. Uh, and we can just chat it up. Just, you know, chop it up do whatever. Um, thank you for, for listening so far. Um, but yeah, don't, you know, feel free to call in. We can discuss, uh, strategies. We can discuss, um, I don't know, just how your day was. How are you doing? You doing good? Should we turn this into an, an ASMR? Is that, do people still do ASMR? Is that still a thing? Anyone in the chat? Is, is that still a thing where they, they do the voice like this. Welcome to Railroad Worker Solidarity. You got to do the thing like this. Doesn't it feel good to be in solidarity together? Can you feel the solidarity going through your bones? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. It feels good to be in solidarity, doesn't it? 
Hi, it's me, Bob Ross. We're just going to paint some happy little trees. I'm going to put a little train right here. Just a perfect little train. Uh, <laughs> oh, y'all really just fine with me doing this because y'all ain't calling it at all, huh? Is this what you want? <laughs> Is this what you want? You want ASMR? <laughs> look, look. Um, uh, yeah, Amanda, th- thank you. Let's 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 start with you and. Uh, I'm sure you have good things to say about this. So, hey, Amanda, welcome back to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. Good to see you. Hi, Bide. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah, you sound great. Fantastic. So first thing is I was down at a rally today at UC Berkeley, put on by some UC Berkeley students and striking graduate workers Mm -hmm. in solidarity with the railroad workers. Mm -hmm. And so there were some folks down there from the rail unions and um, some students. It was quite inspiring. I will be posting the audio that I got um, of all of them talking about the strike. And one of the things I wanted to um, mention is that um <clears throat> is that it's not just the the days the days off it's the it's the when they need to take a day off they get it's not like they get their pay doc they get points on their record that then right. can be used to get against them and the right. ridiculousness of the fact that they President Biden suggested that their 24% raise is actually a good thing, but that's 24% over the life of the contract, and it doesn't even keep up with inflation. So it's essentially a pay cut, the way that it's done. But the way that that the president presented it, or his speechwriters, I should probably say, presented it was like that it was a... The other thing is, is I think that in, when uh, I I was with some friends who are not, they're not, you know, they watch news, they pay attention, they read the paper, yeah. and they had no idea this rail thing was happening, not a clue. Yeah. So I think, and and they had no idea that it would. They were like, oh, it's a good thing the rail strike was averted. I said, do you know what that means for the rail people? So I think having this uh, podcast is a great thing because it helps other people know how to respond. It's not that it's not that we averted a strike that was and this and the strike was going to be the fault of the workers. The strike would have been the fault of the railroads. Yeah, right. Exactly. We're blaming exactly. the we're blaming the victim, and that's I mean. It's a it's a it's a sad ass it's a sad ass state of affairs when yeah. you know so any anyway I I really appreciate you covering this this issue and I think that if here's the, here's the other thing I want people to keep in mind I would love them to go on a wildcat strike too but here's the thing the federal government has a vice grip on 
every single retirement account of every single worker for the railroads. The federal government yeah. controls their retirement. So they, yeah. if they go on wildcat strike, it's not just that they might lose their job. They could lose their retirement because the federal government has clearly stated they are not allowed to strike, right? Yeah. So they could use, I mean, that law, that law essentially means that they could give away their, they could take away their retirement. Yeah. Well, if they participate, this is, this is a thing. I mean, I want the rail workers to go on strike too. A lot of people do, but we have to look that it's not, it, it, they, it is a bigger cause and we should be willing to risk it. But I, I, I don't want people to go in thinking that it's just that they might have to get a different job. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, the stakes are certainly high for them. Um, Insanely high. Uh, I don't know how. Who would you sue? That seems who would you sue? Bonkers to me. If that if they the would federal be government takes your, your money, you have to sue um, the federal government, or at least your retirement account. I mean, here's the thing, Bide. There are lots of lawyers, yeah. smart ones like you, like Brianna. There are lawyers that would represent them against the federal government. But think of the kinds of things that we have to do to support those folks in the meantime. And we're talking about 140,000 workers. This is not, I mean, I don't, I am not the person that wants to put a wrench in the works. I want to put, here's, here's the, here's the thing blocking, blocking our potential success. How do we, find a way forward without changing over everybody in Congress, right? So there must be a way. So that so is Ralph Nader on it? Stephen Donziger seems to have some pretty good connections to some lawyers with some good legal analysis. Yeah. I, I, I haven't seen the legal analysis of what are the impacts, what happens, because they would get in trouble if it's a wildcat, yeah. right? The union could have all its money. The union would have all of its money. Any assets would be seized by the government because the, 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 the government yeah, can sure. do something to the union. It wouldn't be the individual workers, but that means the strike fund is gone. Right? But I don't, I, 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 the, the government seizing funds to me sounds very unconstitutional, uh, especially for sons, funds, which have already sort of, um, what's the word that you like, call it? Like, whenever like something civil, like, like civil forfeiture hasn't been like a thing for decades in this country. There's a special word for it. Like when it comes and to it's fruition. it's not constitutional either. Uh, more, uh. Civil forfeiture has been has just a been, charge, not even civil, a yeah, right. So you it's, give them well, a it's charge. Not. That's true. That's true. But usually for civil asset rioting. forfeiture, there needs to be some kind of criminal charge. There needs to be some kind of charge that the money that you have. Well, well, it has to be kind of the the money. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It, the money from civil asset forfeiture has to be related to uh, like ill-gotten gains. So the reason that you have the money is from uh, some kind of crime you're being alleged, uh, you know, alleged of doing or something like that. 
I mean, look, I th- I think if the federal government starts doing that, I think people will riot. Don't be frank. Be bide. I think I think that would justify riots. If I'm going to be frank, like they're out of their fucking minds if they think that. <laughs> if I'm going to be bide, uh, I I have to believe that people will. Some of these protests will turn a lot less peaceful. And 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 now, I don't think that I don't know if that helps extra shifts because the people who are being impacted so they're impacted already by it, these workers who and at the end of their uh, still have to deal with the this effects. Is not a, it's not a from look. I don't know uh, how federal to government that's against them. Workers except for showing up at these things but, and talking to people when they're happening, so that you can find out what it is they need. Because we can't make yeah. it up, we have to ask and find out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I I mean, I think I look from a legal standpoint, if, if, if shit gets bad, we should form some kind of coalition of attorneys who are working on this. It'll probably mean that I give up my job, but whatever at this point. Um, there'll need to be some kind of pushback for that, right? Um, right. And, and, and look, we do need to talk from a wider strategy standpoint about getting people with particular sets of skills, right? But like really getting people with these different skills, who can help out in moments like this, right? I, I, I think one of the things that I learned in this past month was I, no matter really what happens, I can't stop practicing law, no matter what else I end up doing, just because when you need that shit, it is too useful to have it. Like there are too many situations where you need a lawyer to file something. You need a lawyer to argue something. Only lawyers can appear in certain situations in court and 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 do stuff. You know, I, I, you need that skill set. And I, you know, I had some experiences in this past month that made me realize that I can actually utilize this skill set in a way that has tangible effects on people's lives, like real world, you know, real ass motherfucking effects. And that is. That's something that we need to be, I think when we talk strategy, we need to uh, incorporate more into our discussions is um, delegation of tasks and understanding what people's skill sets are and where they can best be utilized. Because part of the, when we're talking about getting organized, getting organized, getting organized, what we seem to be missing and one of the reasons why I think we struggle so much with strategy is because we don't understand what different people can do and how we can kind of use those things as leverage, which is what, why right now I think uh, we should try to apply enough public pressure on our politicians, on media, on everywhere to tell them that they need to add sick leave to, to force them to renegotiate this deal or to at least force them to pass the Paid Sick Leave Act. I think 
you know, that's that's something that we need to be doing right now. One of the reasons why I wanted to do this, um, as small of an audience as as uh, you know I may have here, is because people need to know. And this this needs to be like a concentrated effort towards doing it. And I think, well, you know, I, I, when you're out at these strikes, Amanda, too, are you getting the chance to talk to the, the railroad workers who are there? Yes. And, and what are they saying? Oh, they are <laughs> the ones on these, the ones on the line. These are the ones that are that are activists and they're pissed. They're really mad. They're really like, I cannot believe not only has my company sold me out, but my goddamn government yeah. and my goddamn union yeah. are not helping. And not in that order. It's like, first it's like my goddamn company, and then like my goddamn union won't do anything. Let me, maybe Congress... God damn it, Congress won't do anything either. Excuse my swearing, but it that is pretty much the you know and Amanda, and right I've now saying, because okay. because crews are so saying, like, small, yeah. the number of people that were there, I mean the number of people that are stationed in Oakland, which is a main transfer yeah. point for for rail, yeah. it, there's there's six people that are employed at this location right now. You can't get a big group of people out of six people right so that's why working with the uc striking uc academic workers is going to be really big if we can get some of the uc striking workers to a rail yard or somewhere other than the campus to bring out the people also side note Berkeley and Stanford are kind of college rivals in terms of football and the 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 big game they call it out here Stanford versus Berkeley was a couple of weeks ago and it was this first Saturday after the strike had started and the Stanford band during halftime went into formation a um the the um UAW Oh really Yeah the Stanford band did on the Berkeley on the Berkeley field. That's awesome, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not the Berkeley band. The Berkeley band didn't do it. <laughs> the Stanford yeah. band did. That's so, fun. you know, that shows you kind of that's that's kind of shows you where where it is, you know. Stanford is they are they are they are historic rivals. I mean, you yeah. might as well be talking about the Saints and the Falcons, right? They are historic rivals. The fact that Stanford, it was thumbing their nose at UC Berkeley to do that. Yeah. But good for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way to go. I mean, look, I, and, and, and one thing I don't want to lose, too, is you posted uh, regulations uh, or regulation.gov links in the, in the chat. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with sort of uh, administrative regulations. Uh, there is a necessary period for public comment. So they have to hold uh, uh, a period where they allow the public to comment on the potential impact of a proposed regulation. So the regulation that you posted, Amanda, is a regulation for uh, taking 
these train crews and lowering the minimum requirement of, of crew members per train to one. Uh, this is a great opportunity for everyone here to go click on those links. Just click on, they're the same link, but click on the link and you'll be taken to the page. All you have to do is click the bubble at the top that says comment. It's a blue button and say something like, no, I think we should have three crew members to a train minimum, three or four, and do that. And surprisingly, sometimes these commenting periods actually have an effect on whether the regulation is passed or not. Um, not always, but do it anyway. Do it. And the deadline, the deadline, um, the deadline was extended. So, so I think to December 21st. Okay. Um, yeah. so, so they, their 86 day comment period has all been extended. I'm going to put a, the next link I'm going to put in is, um, a page from the railroad workers United that describes what's wrong with single person crews. So if somebody's going to go to the page to make a comment on the rulemaking, this would be a good place to get information about yeah. doing that. Yeah, that's great. So you can get, if you want to, you know, copy and paste some of the language from that, from the Railroad Workers United article by Ron, um, I get his name wrong every time, Ron Kanakow. Okay. Yeah, that's excellent. thank you for th thank you for engaging in this. I I don't I don't mean to I don't mean to monopolize the conversation. It's just something I've been following, so I'm excited about. It. No, it's great. It's great to have you. Like I, I know how much you are attending these strikes, how invested you are in the labor movement. Uh, it's good to have people here who are more knowledgeable about what's going on on the ground. And uh, look, part of part of what I think is good about this app whenever we're using it correctly is it allows us to actually coordinate and, and uh, figure out next steps, what we're going to do, what we need to do. Uh, and you've already provided some concrete steps on how to do that. So always a pleasure. And, and that, and that sounded like a playing me off and I will take that no, as, here. as Amanda, I no one else is calling in right now. So it's like, who gives a shit? But I don't <laughs> want to stop somebody. Okay, who wants to come up? Hannah, you want to come up? No. A lot of people. A lot of people who. I see you. I see you, Schnarf. I see you, July. I see Schnarf. I see all of them. Did anyone yeah, else. Did anyone else have a, a, a TV program when they were little? There was like Miss Nancy, and she would look through like a. A mirror thing, and and I see Johnny, and Angel, and Sam, and Mary, and she would just name off everybody in the room. No, that's there we that's go, neat. Senway. Yeah, that, right that sounds like um, that scene in Wizard of Oz, though. Romper room, July says yes. Romper room. Is that <laughs> that's what that <laughs> Okay, let me let let me hang up and let Senway have have her say. Okay. All right. Thanks Have for calling in, Amanda. Ride. All right. You always, too. Always, always a joy to speak with you. Yeah. I love having you at the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. All right. Sinway, what's going on? How you doing? Um, well, not much. Um, seeing a whole bunch of chats. And I'm like, man, um, I'm not sure if I want to sit through a whole bunch of long ones. I keep getting invites, but I guess the first time in a while I spoke. Um, yeah. so. I guess 
I if I wasn't earlier, I could have listened to like what the status is on whether or not mm-hmm. um, what the railroad workers are going to do now. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 there's it, it's complicated, right? Because if yeah. they strike now, it would be a wildcat strike, mm-hmm. and it would also it would be a very illegal strike for them. So well, they're they're taking yeah. on a lot more risk than they normally would. Um, yeah, they also have a lot more leverage right now to do it. Yeah, but I mean, part of what makes it so difficult to organize labor and to be a laborer is we do not have the same kind of, um, and especially like railroad workers and, and people who are in the service industry and people who are living paycheck to paycheck, they do not have the same um, luxury of being able to sustain themselves without working. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that necessity is a hammer. It's really a hammer that can really bonk you right back into the, you know, into the job, into compliance, into complicity. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to look at someone who might be facing legal, uh, repercussions and say, I think you should strike. That's, I I think they should. I mean, I think here we just have to look if they, if they do, we have to back them up. Uh, we have to put our money where yeah. our mouth is. You know, we can't just be out here acting know. safe. You know? Yeah, that's, oh yeah, that's very true. And uh, it's kind of tough on my end because where I live, I'm not nearby or know any railroad workers in Maryland. Like, for example, yeah. I am not in Baltimore. Um, but well, recent. Well, I do remember seeing a GoFundMe for the railroad workers. It's like to support them. Um, yeah. So, it that's a start, and hopefully, it gets shared around a lot, and people contribute. But, um, but alongside that, it's like they're probably gonna need, let's see, lawyers in case they get arrested, and. It'd be good if there were enough mutual aids around, too. Yeah. I mean, the, the, um, the mutual aid part, it's... I'm glad that we were doing more mutual aid with, with a lot of our uh, efforts of, of just supporting each other. Mm-hmm. I, I think we need bigger drivers for systemic solutions. Because yeah. if it just comes down to outspending, we'll never outspend the 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 capitalists, like the the hard capitalist class. I mean, that's what they have right now, right? Is is yeah. money, um, and they're they're extracting more of it. So there needs there need to be systemic sort of changes that, frankly, that that stop them from enriching themselves and that redistribute the wealth. If I'm yeah. being frank, I mean, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I, I well, don't think billionaires should exist. I just, I don't here. think that the, I think we've kind of seen where that leads. Mm-hmm. It does not lead to a, a better society. Um, it, and it leads to a lot of financialization and commodification of a lot of things that shouldn't be commodified. Like yeah. health, 
and water. and wa- yeah, water. This shit going on in Arizona f- and California, ridiculous. In California too. It's like California. Mm-hmm. Y'all motherfuckers don't even have water right now. Yeah. What are you doing selling it? That's like, yeah. What? Hmm. Cali. So like at this rate, I feel like until we get to that point and finalize a strategy on that is. It's like, it sounds like it's part of it is going to be like underground kind of thing. If you well, know mm. what I mean, we're going to have to be like support each other, like underground based yeah, kind of thing. Or um, another way of, and like we're going to have to, well, remilitarize. I mean, going, looking back at the past, we're back to like the gilded, what the gilded age and the time before yeah. unions. Yeah. How many of those worker factory workers were like they went on strike and I'm pretty sure even if it wasn't in the law books, it was under the assumption that, oh, that's not acceptable. And how right. many were they just beaten and arrested and even killed yeah. for those rights and been going on for years, so we're going through this rhyme again. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, I, I think if things continue on, then we'll start to see people not even out of like bravery, but out of necessity being more and more willing to die on a picket line. Um, I think when things get that bad, you don't really have many other options. And we're getting there. And, and what I don't, I I don't want us to find ourselves there completely unprepared, completely without the knowledge or the tools to address the situation. Um, you know, one of the reasons why I say we, we need to start talking more about how we can utilize our individual skills and skill sets to contribute to a wider movement is because, uh, we need to start figuring these things out now for when, because when shit hits the fan, you know, it will be too late to try to start figuring it out at that point. So, yeah. um, and you know, I hate to talk about all the doom and gloom, but it's, it's hard if we're talking about, if we're talking about things like the strike, right? Let's, okay. Let's look for some of the positives in it. Um, there's not enough solidarity from different unions with this, mm-hmm. but there's a good amount. And it does feel like if you talk to at least every single interview and, and, and interaction that I've heard with rail workers mm-hmm. who are organizing for this, mm-hmm. um, they say the, the, the support from the public feels different. Uh, the, the, there is more of a, uh, a backing at least from uh, than what they've been used to in years prior. That's good. That's good too. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Yay. We found something good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think, the, I think, well, one thing we're going to need to bring awareness to the public and yeah. Um, are you aware of RPN or any of the like all the hosts? All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. They launched, a discord and there's oh, wow. organizing 
I think the point I want to make is education and yeah. well the but the public need is education on how they can support in their own way especially for those that don't live close by and, right well um it'd be cur- I'd be curious to see how many middle class those from middle class and relatively well off yeah um are be be willing like so money for it, example yeah 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 it's tough because i i wish part of the education is making people who are quote unquote like middle class or even this professional managerial class realize that they're not they're not really they're, they're doing okay now they may be doing better but you're not really in the middle class that's an yeah. illusion what you are is the next on the fucking menu. That's you're, true. you're getting eaten next, buddy. That, yeah. It, That's we what may you not, are. Yeah. Because you not, don't own shit. That's... So if you're not the owner, then what are you? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're just like the next in line. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, we've talked a lot. I talk all the time about how good, uh, sort of capitalism is at, at, and the, and cap real capitalists are at dividing and conquering at making people whose interests should align, uh, hate each other using arbitrary, whatever, um, uh, arbitrary qualities, you know, stuff like race or religion or, or any of these things to really divide people. Uh, because mm-hmm. a divided working class is an obedient working class, because if your power comes from solidarity, if it comes from, collective action you cannot allow them to collect right you cannot allow them to gather and if you stop that then they're powerless they really are no matter how much they may think they're getting theirs or they're on this hustle or they're on whatever god like some of these people talking about like i'm on the grind yo i get up at 5 a.m i get up at 3 a.m bitch i get up at 3 a.m and i get i'm on the fucking grind from 3 a.m until motherfucker until an early death midnight and I made twelve dollars today. Stay yep. hungry. Like, have you ever seen those posts in way of like? <laughs> they're pretty. They're pretty well known now, but they're they're posts of people who will say something like, um, "Would you rather have ten billion dollars or a book?" And the guy's like, "Oh, I would rather have the book because then I will teach myself how to make twenty billion dollars." It's like, bitch, no, you won't. You dumbass. Like you still you. I can't like some of the mindsets that people have adopted with this individual individualized rind and rise and grind bullshit ass, like Mm -hmm. illusion. It's become a religion. And a lot of politics, I, I wish more people would understand that nowadays, especially a lot of politics and a lot of like, even the ideas that you see pushed out there are, more akin to religious ideas than they are to fact-based or logical ideas. Give you an example, shareholder maximization, maximizing shareholder value. Mm -hmm. It's fucking us up. It's, It it is not helping shit yet. People say, well, the economy is going great. Like what are you talking about? Walk outside. Like there's homeless people everywhere. 
everywhere and there's more every single day. How long do you think this will sustain? And, and it's, people have gotten away with coming to a debate uh, table or getting into a debate with just saying a bunch of dogma and no one even questions them on, on, on the dogma because we believe the dogma. And it feels kind of like, you know, back in the day when the Catholic church was the only church and I'm talking way back when, like, you know, 1400, 1200s, whatever, but you, you know, whatever the church said just went, it just goes. And no one else was even saying, you know, you couldn't even question whether or not God existed. Like, that's the kind of dogma that we have a lot of the time today with like um, the rise and grind mindset, the idea that capitalism is the greatest system ever conceived, um, that we're at the end of history. It's like showing realism. Yeah. Like it's, 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 we, I, I just, we have to start making people understand, including people who really want to believe in capitalism. Like we, we just have to be consistent, like constantly pointing out these contradictions and constantly look, the, the goal needs to be, I mean, you know, What's the goal of a political system anyway, right? What should the goal be? My thing is always that, you know, life is not permanent. Everyone goes. Everything eventually will fade. My goal, and what I think is the goal that we should really be thinking about, is creating a world where uh, we maximize the survivability of people and the ability for them to learn, grow, and engage so that someday way, way down the line when all of human history that we know now is forgotten, that somehow human beings are still around for as long as possible, just to figure out more shit. That's all. Like, that to me is... is that's where policy should be focused. And you do that. I mean, you do that in a lot of ways. You have to have a lot more resource management. Uh, you, you have to believe in things that are more, you have to believe in, believe in values that are, that are more important than make as much money as possible as an individual. Uh, you, you have to invest in a society for a long term. And you have to steward the planet in such a way that it allows you to get there. And those are, you know, from those principles or those goals, your politics start to change into more of like sustainability as opposed to, you know, individualism to such a point now that it's like, uh, I don't know. It's just it's just this point to where everyone thinks that the goal in life is to prove to everyone else that you're special. And capitalists have this like the worst because you'll see them buying yachts and doing all this shit. Like, like who the fuck cares? Like, it's okay, great. You spend a bunch of money on a boat. What, how does that help the, the, continued existence of humanity in the long in the long run 
Like, what does that do? What? It, it, it's almost like these motherfuckers need just a psychologist just yeah. to talk. Like, just go talk, dude. Go talk. Figure it out. Confront the fact that you and everyone you know. And well, the thing is, I say you and everyone you know is going to die. I don't mean that in like a, a negative way. It's just a it's just a fact of life, you know. Like it happens. Yeah. Um, it's scary, but like, it means that what we do here while we're here, we we have to keep in mind that we we're basically trying to make you know what we do here matters because it's limited. And yeah. um, wait a minute. I think there's a reason, partial reason. They want to be, um, they want to be remembered. They want to be like after yeah. they die, they want to. Okay, so it's not. I'm sure it's not all of them, but for some of them, it's like they pro- some of them probably have the mindset of, I want to leave a legacy, or I want my kids to be very 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 well off and the family name will be forever known should never be tarnished kind of thing so it either be through like they themselves the legacy or their family legacy is probably perhaps that's what they're that kind of mindset yeah (laughs) you know i think and there's so there's a lot of layers to it they definitely want to be remembered but I ask, remembered how? Because people do not like you, Jeff Bezos. They don't. And they could. But, like, they will not remember you fondly. I think the first goal they want to do is preserve their own lives. As soon as they get the, they figure out aging, you're going to see them do some real crazy shit just to stay alive forever and ever and ever. They don't want to die. They don't want to die. They're trying to cheat death. And they're willing to make all of us die in order to do it. That's that's part one. But to the extent that they can't do that, legacy is important for a lot of them, sure. I think legacy is one of those things that we all think about. but um, Or that it's pretty, it's, I, you know, I don't know if all of us are thinking about it, but like it's common to think about what happens after I die. What am I going to leave here? But if it's about like building a statue to yourself or something like that, that's kind of dumb when you think about it. Like, it's a, like, I think people are real fucking scared of being forgotten. And in pursuit of not being forgotten, they end up doing a bunch of forgettable shit when they could be doing some crazy shit right now. You know, like Elon Musk. Let's take this example with, with Elon Musk. Um, you know, he's got enough money to come up with some serious solutions for world hunger but he buys a bird website and talks about free speech while censoring people. Now, okay, cool, whatever. But how many more people do you think would like fucking revere this guy as like a God if he solved world hunger? That's what I don't understand. Like what's going on in their brain? Like, dude, the thing by, I don't know, like, like uh, just by, by actually doing stuff for your fellow man, for mankind, and not just so mankind remembers you. I think I think you will be remembered that way, or you're more likely to be. 
at least remembered in a way too that people actually like. And the other thing is too, the real thing is like everyone's going to be forgotten. That's how it goes. You know, it's it's sad, but like accept the opportunity that you have while you're here. Like enjoy the 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 things that give beauty to life while you're here. And try to get as many people or allow as many people to have the opportunity to enjoy those things too. You know, because that's what I think, that's what makes the continuation of this, of all this, even if we're not part of it anymore because we're gone, that's what makes it worth it. You know, that's what makes it so profound in a way is we're this happy little accident, right? This Bob Ross happy little accident that has this moment to kind of take in this world to learn to add stuff to it. And then we're gone. Mm -hmm. Yep. So and it's about who's still here and what's still here. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. so I see someone else's wants to to talk. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But Sinway, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. No problem. Good night. It's good to hear you. Good to talk Mm -hmm. with you. Thank you. Okay. See you next time. Bye. See ya. All right, Lorraine. <laughs> hey, mom. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, how are you? Hold on, we're turning it up a little. Who are you I'm with? I'm with your brother. Hello, brother. Oh, hey, 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 Michael. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> we're yeah. good. Michael's just... a first-time caller, long time. Yeah, long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Well, welcome to the Fred Hampton in the Suites. Yes, everyone. Yeah. 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 Well, he just got here, so he hadn't heard the discussion. We just wanted to call and say hi. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a sad. It's a sad story, and it's. Um, yeah. I don't understand really how yeah. it's so hard to get basic rights in the in this century you know i don't get it but yeah Yeah. anyway it's nice that you're talking about it yeah how's is that hank yeah it's hank (laughs) why is he barking i don't know he barks randomly now yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, hank is our uh now very old blind and deaf pug who uh just walks around bumping into stuff we uh, call him um, Hospice Hank. <laughs> Hospice Hank is there? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. He's got one more month to live. He's oh, scheduled- really? Yeah, mm-hmm. he's scheduled to. No. After Christmas, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Fuck. You should see okay. him. You should see yeah, him. I got to come Christmas. see him. For Christmas. Fuck. fuck, dude. Okay, well. Yeah. That sucks. All right. But like, uh, you know, I was just talking all that shit about we're not here for a long time. So except death, baby, you know? Yeah. He'll be happy to be released from his uh, body. He can't yeah. see here. He can't. He doesn't know it, where he is. It doesn't even seem like he could has a good sense of smell anymore. Yeah. It's probably going. I mean, I look. feel like. He, he can smell some. I was. uh the way I've been letting myself be known to him is uh, just by shitting in his face. 
just Whoa. by going right up to his head and farting <laughs> right in his mouth. Um, I was gonna say put a piece of chicken in front of his in front of his oh, nose. Put a piece of chicken. Okay, that's better. Yeah. yeah. Put a little piece, and then he'll start sniffing, and his eyes will get big, and then he'll know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Well, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. But Hank has been around. I mean, I was thinking about it today. I'm now 26, and he's been around yeah. since I was in high school, at least. So. Yeah. He's 14. Yeah. He's 14. So wow. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. 14 is a long time, especially for a pug. I mean, those yeah. aren't even real dogs. I mean, we that was a science experiment gone mm-hmm. horribly wrong. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well, that's nice. Well, yeah, I'll have to come see Hank. Do that yeah. for Christmas. But. I, yeah. Well, this, yeah. yeah, this Christmas can be like our our familial <laughs> goodbye. Good guy, Hank Christmas. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, out, of all, out of all pugs that have ever lived he has to be in like top for as far as like what he did in his life you know what i mean it's gotta be like he, top 10 top 10 all-time pugs just say like top top 100 well yeah okay <laughs> oh, no. yeah, underselling him really yeah. underselling him huh yeah hank yeah. the trailblazer on he instagram attends university high school in indianapolis he's a student there he's, he's the, in the, the mascot yeah he's, he's a mascot, mascot. He's, yeah yeah, he's yeah. The, Butler, the bulldog's best friend. I mean, we could go on and on. He's he has yeah. a wardrobe. <laughs> he's like, Hank is my sister's dog, and yeah. Michael and I are just uh-huh. watching him for a few days. So yeah, okay. So yeah, people get an idea who Hank is, and and the most famous. Uh, pug just died called Noodle. He also had a large uh, <laughs> I love the, the, the history of, of prominent pugs. Pug. Yeah, they're yeah. very famous. Yeah. yeah. Pug, most people. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. You know, we don't pick up your show with talk about Hank. Just wanted to say hi. Yeah, well, I'm glad you said hi. Um, yeah, and, and and look, I mean, as far as the strike stuff, I mean, you at this point, mom, you know, I'm just like, uh, I just don't believe in the the two party system anymore. Um, yeah, either. And yeah, well, it's 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 they've given us a lot of reason not to. Um, yeah. So we're really just looking for alternative solutions. Where do we go from here? Uh, and yeah. and the one place I keep coming back to is there needs to be an empowerment of labor. Um, there needs to be a way to where when bosses come and say, you have to do something, uh, mm-hmm. we can say no. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the balance of power is too far shifted in the hands of people who have all the resources and have, have all the money. And mm-hmm don't care how long your pug lives. Uh, they don't give a shit about pugs or any other dogs, um, but their own. So, uh, you know, I thought I'd do something too, because the, the real workers right now, uh, I, I just, I'm really bothered by the fact that Joe Biden's out there treating this like he made a big win for the unions and advertising himself as a big pro-union guy when the unions have rejected this deal. They don't want this. And all they want is seven sick days. 
and they can't yeah. even get that. Like that's, that's insane. Thirty six days in a year. Yeah. In a year, Michael, seven paid six yeah. days, six days in a year. They can't get it. And then I do not understand. understand. Yeah. Um, no. No, that's the. Uh, and 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 I think the cost of that, the cost of doing that, I believe. Don't quote me on this, but somewhere in the neighborhood of three hundred million to five hundred million dollars for these railway companies to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Three hundred million to five hundred million to give every railway worker seven paid sick days a week, uh, mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made twenty one billion in profits this year so far, yeah. right? So this yeah. is Far less enough. than 20 per, this is less than what a, like five percent of their profits here less than five percent and they so won't do it funny in the senate or congress that was um stands out for trying to support these people uh there's a couple i mean it's it's weird if we talk about senate and congress it's starting to get weird because uh there's enough of a shift, a pro-labor shift in the American public that you have senators and congresspeople who are trying to position themselves as pro-labor, but are perhaps doing so cynically. They don't actually believe in labor. They don't actually believe in the rights of workers, but they believe in votes. And by saying the right thing, sometimes they are trying to garner votes and make themselves look like pro-labor candidates. And the person who comes to mind is Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is one of the people who supported the paid uh, sick leave bill. Mm-hmm. I believe that's right. Um, Ted Cruz is a big fucking piece of shit, right? Yeah. He, he has no, he's never shown any interest in uh, helping workers. Yeah, that's it. But now yeah. he's starting to at least signal to virtue signal, like he's pro union, like he's pro worker. I mean, Joe Biden is essentially doing the same thing here. Yeah. By forcing this deal to happen. And look, he wants to get reelected. Um, he knows he's going to get murdered if the rail workers strike and the economy is losing $2 billion a day. Of course, the media is going to have a heyday with him. Of course, that people are going to use it cynically to, to garner votes against him and garner support against him. But here's the thing. If you're actually pro-union, then you got to do the thing that's pro-union. Mm-hmm. You can't be thinking about my reelection. You do the right thing. That's it. I mean, like that's it. You you it. You don't really have another option there, Joe. So it's it's he and and putting yourself in a position too. If you're going to be president, you better be ready to make unpopular moves or moves that your you are going to be maligned for. People are going to speak uh, badly about you and say you know say things. Even if you're doing the right thing, they're going to say things. Um, and he did that with Afghanistan, with pulling out, right? Yeah. Uh, he should do it again. But he yeah. won't, he hasn't, and he's not doing it, and uh, this is where we're at. So it's, uh, it's upsetting. But Bernie is, of course, um, he's probably the closest we have to a pro-union, a, a true pro-union guy. And, you know, he's he's made some mistakes, too. Um are you and talking about Bernie Mac? Yeah, of course. The <laughs> late, great Bernie Mac. You didn't specify which Bernie, so I was... No, he's that's the one I'm talking about, of course. Okay. There is no other Bernie. I don't, I don't even know why you, why you mentioned that. You know. Um, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No. Um. <laughs> Let's have an awkward silence moment. That, that was a uh, that's the late great Bernie Mac uh, playing a uh, he, he's giving a, a speech to the union. That's what he was doing. Uh, telling Joe Biden he's playing too motherfucking much, and I I tend to agree. Uh, yeah. Is that Hank still? No, that's, that's, that's Chuby. Oh, Chuby. Okay, yeah. Man, y'all just got a dog house tonight. Everyone's yeah. in the dog house. Yeah. I'm in the dog house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Michael. All right, you want to say in the dog house? <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> no, dude, do it. <laughs> All right. Oh, whatever. It's 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 um. Oh well, thanks for calling. All right. I miss yeah, you. Miss you too. Yeah, thanks. We'll we'll figure out uh. Christmas plans if we're gonna have any. Yeah. Um, but I guess I gotta see. I gotta see Hank now. So. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything you'd like to say to the uh, the listeners before you before you go? Any words of wisdom? Me. Yeah, you. <laughs> um. <laughs> No, I've been up since 4 a.m. And uh, so I turned off my brain a few hours ago. <laughs> okay. That's pretty wise. Yeah. You get up too early, turn off your brain. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about Michael? You have words of wisdom. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I guess, I, yeah, I didn't really hear much of this podcast up to this point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But but from what I did hear, I heard you talking about ideas bigger than, uh, you know, it's like the absolute power corrupts absolutely type of thinking. Whereas, you know, how can we expect a good result if most of the people that we put in office got there from doing this type of shit? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like putting themselves first or putting power first or following the money, doing any of that stuff. So I yeah. heard you push. I heard you pushing back against that. Um, so. I don't know. That would be a conversation I'd be interested in having with you. Uh, I know we had one the other night, but I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> very good. Yeah. Why not? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not really wisdom. It's kind of like a yeah. Let's let's uh, yeah have a conversation later. I guess that that was more just like an observation than it was. Yeah. Like-, <laughs> like I said, I didn't really hear any of this. So. <laughs> Um, I appreciate your honesty, Michael. Uh, It's always a pleasure. (laughs) Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon, bro. All right, love you. Okay, love you too. You guys be good. All right, bye bye. Okay, bye. (laughs) Bye, Chuby. (laughs) Bye, Chuby. (laughs) Sound like a donkey at the end there. What was that? That was wild. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if anyone else wants to call in, but if not, we could we could we can call it there if y'all want. 
we can go back to ASMR. I could do some more fun voices. I can look at Schnarf and go, mm, Big Chungus. Biggie, big, big, big Chungus, Schnarf. Um, yeah, look, I, I, let's, let's do a quick summary. If someone calls in, we can do that. But uh, quick summary is this. Uh, Joe Biden's trying to push a deal, is forcing a deal on workers that workers don't want to take. They're being overworked and understaffed. And this all in years where the companies that they work for have made record profits. The sick days that they're asking for is just seven paid six day, sick days. Um, they're not asking for much. It's, it's, it's cost wise, it would be 300 to maybe $500 million of costs where again, that's less than 5%. What, let's just do the quick math. Cause 21 million, 500,000. Is that 2.5%? No, is it 1%? No, 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 no. Is it two? Let's see. Okay. 21 billion. Someone, someone can do some math. I swear to God. Okay. Is that right? Yeah, 21 billion divided by what? Or it would be 500 million divided by that. Give me a second. <laughs> okay, divided by, I'm just going to put 525 million divided by 21 billion. Let's see. Yeah, 2.5%. Shit, I am the fucking shit, dude. Holy shit. My brain so big. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got to the clock 45 minutes later. Okay, July. You're right. But what they're asking for is not much, okay? You're, 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 uh, what you could give the workers is 2.5. And, and this is assuming that you have $525 million. That's the higher end of what it would cost to uh, provide all of your workers seven paid sick six days of leave. Um, You're talking about capitalists who are unwilling to give up 2.5% of their profits and not to let other people profit from them. It's not even people are trying to take that money directly. These workers, they're trying to take their time. They're trying to have lives outside of their work, but it's the principle of the thing. It's the principle of, well, the the railroad owners understand that they can force uh they can always rely on their government to side with them and force workers into untenable situations that has got to stop that is an unsustainable system we we all die that's the end game and i know we all die anyway but like the route that we're on right now is is going to lead to the destruction of all of humanity. There's no other way. I don't see how else this can anyone else see a way that this ends if it continues the way it's going, that it ends with all of us turning out all right. I just don't see it. I don't see it. Look, if if uh, you know, if you can't provide paid sick leave to your own employees, if you can't let your employees be human beings who get sicknesses, 
especially during a global pandemic and you're still fighting against the idea of paid sick leave, that's a problem with your system. That's a big fucking problem with your system, especially when the politicians who are supposed to be representing you sell you out and then advertise it as a victory for you. You know, don't piss on me and tell me it's raining. Don't shit in my mouth and tell me it's chocolate. Okay? That's doo-doo. I know. So don't be playing. That's what they're doing. And and they're, they don't stop. Look, sometimes you got to treat it like a bully, right? And I don't know how many of you got bullied or anything, but, like, there is a, there is, I'll put it this way. Um, sometimes there has to be conflict because, and it doesn't need to be physical conflict. It doesn't need to be, you know, violent conflict, but there needs to be real conflict because some people will take and take and take. And sometimes you got to smack them up. If I'm just being real, sometimes you, you have to do what it takes to stop it, to show that you are a person with dignity. And this is a moment where we need to be doing that. Now, if the, if the workers strike, it would be a wildcat strike. It would be an illegal strike. We support it anyway. Because we got to show these motherfuckers. We got to show them. For real, though. You got to show. And, and if you allow people to take and take and take, eventually you're not going to have anything left. And for these workers, upon which so much of our economy relies, who are the very definition of a skilled worker, uh, there's got to be some pushback. There's got to be some solidarity. Now, I'm going to repost a couple of links. If you'd like to donate your time or your money or your knowledge to some of the railroad uh, workers unions, I would go to www.railroadworkersunited.org. You can become a solidarity member there for $25 annually which will help with their strike funds and their organizing efforts. Uh, you can donate directly. Uh, there's also the uh, link. I'm going to post the link from Amanda one more time. There is a commentary period that's happening right now with a, a regulation where the goal is to uh, create, uh, make it legal for uh, trains to have one person cruise. So we're talking about big ass freight trains, which carry many of which carry deadly chemicals and deadly materials um, to have one person working on that entire three mile, four mile long train. Uh, click that link for the railroad workers United and leave a comment on the page. There's a big blue button near the top of the page that says comment, leave a comment and say, no, I think that our workers deserve uh, some help. I think they deserve some help while they're on a train. And I don't believe that a one person train crew is ever going to be appropriate for some of the damages that can come out of that. If there's an accident, it's not safe. It's not safe for the workers. It's not safe for us. Fuck these guys. It's not safe. Okay. Don't let them get away with it. Make a comment. If that doesn't amount to anything, we start smacking. We start smacking them. Okay. But for now, we'll leave a comment. See if they get it. Uh, other things you can do. I haven't checked any of uh, some of these other links in here. 
I know um, Schnarf was talking about uh, posting a couple links of people who actually are transportation unions who aren't supporting or haven't said anything about the strike. Uh, institutional capture is a real thing, folks. There are a lot of unions where the leadership has sold out the members and been it's been politics as usual, which is why cross-union solidarity is going to become necessary. Laborer solidarity across industry is going to become necessary because the goal here is that when uh, Elon Musk and capitalists and everyone tries to 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 force us all to do a bunch of shit that we don't want to do and extract all of our value and wealth, we can we can utilize all of us together to fight back. That needs to start happening more, and we need to be a lot more um, political with with making that part of our agenda cross worker solidarity to where if the railroad workers strike, so does Starbucks. Everything shuts down. There has to, that's, that's the only power we got right now. Um, and eventually the goal for a lot of these industries should be public ownership. Uh, the railroads, from what I've heard from a lot of railroad workers, um, and I haven't spoken to any directly myself, but from the interviews that you know, people like Maximilian Alvarez are doing on the Real News Network and uh, Jonah Furman are doing. I just know him from Twitter, but they're doing good work. If you go and you listen to the interviews that they have, they want to uh, publicly own or co-op- cooperatively own the railways. I think we should start advocating for that. We should figure out ways to make that a reality because there has to be a pushback against business as usual, against the Warren Buffetts, as nice as he wants you to believe he is, I'm sure he's a lovely guy. He's one of the people who's profiting off of this, uh, these railroads. He's one of the owners. And he, for as nice of uh, the things that he says, uh, is one of the people who's not willing to give up 2.5% of his wealth so that people can have seven paid sick days a year, so that people can have a little bit of decency and dignity. Sorry. Don't trust their words anymore. Trust their actions. Saying it and doing it are two different things. And um, Joe Biden and everyone else can say that they're pro-union as much as they want. Look at what they're doing. Look at how their actions are actually anti-union. And it's time for us to do something about it. So again, check the links. Railroadworkersunited.org um, and and the the top link Leave a comment on the regulatory page uh, and keep fighting. Keep fighting. Thank you. Uh, It's good to be back, baby. It's good to be back. Uh, I missed you all. Thank you for joining us again at the uh, Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. And we'll see you next time. Take care. Oh, July. Ah, one more. Okay. Almost. July, what's up? Uh, I'm just here to close out the show. Perfect. I'm glad. I'm glad. I almost missed you. Oh, God. Well, that's, I know. I was like, hey, hold on. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm scrolled like it's, it's the, I'm doing it from my computer now. So it's kind of like I have to scroll in different places and I can't see when callers are calling in versus when they're not. But, um, July. Somebody was like, you, you must look into the camera. That was like, oh. I know. Yeah. It's it hard. I got to read like a script and shit. I don't know how people do this when like without like a teleprompter or something, honestly. 
Um, you know, I, you just you just keep feeling it out. You're getting there because I think <laughs> I think the mix of uh, serious and really stupid is wonderful, and you've just got to keep worth working both angles. Yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah, I, that's what I like to do. Uh, <laughs> I know, that is- but then we make poo poo jokes. well and and i think it's always fun to end on a really stupid note so because i come from a musical family like i have a relative down from who's a who was a famous bluegrass musician and corny collins and and my mom was a piano prodigy and her name is janet jackson (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect i know i bet she was pissed oh yeah she was (laughs) something but uh but i'm not necessarily a singer but i thought i'd just sing a song from uh, a musician called tennessee ernie ford who was from my the town i grew up in called bristol mm-hmm. and it the song went like this it goes you load 15 tons and what do you get another day older and deeper in debt Say, oh, I know. Yeah, call me because I can't go. I owe my, oh, my soul to the company store. That's right. Yep, yep. that's, <laughs> that's true. a coma song. Yeah, what's it, what's it called? Company store? Uh, it's called 16 Tons. 16 Tons. Should we play that out? Well, I mean, <laughs> if you could find it that fast, or you, oh, yeah, it. I'm on a computer. I'm a like a whiz kid. All right. Well, let's let's maybe. You got any parting parting shots then before we play that out? And well, I did try to do a joke that didn't go over well where you were when you were doing your ASMR, and I was I kept saying that's pronounced ass, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Oh, <man>. Boo. <laughs> Yeah, it is good. It's pretty. I'll give you that. I'll give you the ass, Mister. All right. What if I just start calling that? Welcome to Ass Mister. <laughs> I'd like it. Taste, taste the ass. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. We'll call it Ass Mister from now on. How about that? All right. Okay. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, July. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always a pleasure. All right, buddy. I'll see you soon. <laughs> see you next time. All right, and now to play us out, we're going to do 16 tons, baby. Let's go. My soul to the company
shall go. I owe my soul to the company store. You can't hear? <laughs> yeah! You yes! Yeah! All right, everyone. See you next time.